famous uh, love chapter, and uh, we said last week we're slowing down at this point in our study of 1 Corinthians to consider carefully Paul's words here in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, last time we said we're doing this because we all need more of the love of Jesus in our lives. We need to know more of the, the character of Christ's love for his people. And we need to know uh, how we are to love others in him. And so this is what we're after in our study of 1 Corinthians 13. More of the love of Jesus Christ in our lives. Now, last time in verses 1 through 3, we saw that nothing matters without love. We said love matters because without it, nothing else does. No matter our service for God, no matter what we do for God, no matter our giftedness, none of it matters in the end without love. Loveless service, loveless faith, loveless teaching, loveless social action is all equally worthless. Because nothing, nothing can compensate for the absence of love. Uh, preaching on this passage in 400 AD, John Chrysostom said to his congregation in Constantinople, if I have no love, I am not just useless, I am a positive nuisance. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to be a nuisance to you all or to others. So I need to learn how to love. We need to learn how to love as we are loved in Christ Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 13 is a great place for us to go in God's word because here's a description of the true character of love. So let's turn our attention to verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. In the beginning of verse 8, Paul says, love never ends. Now, John Chrysostom, who I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, also said to his congregation that here in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, we have a portrait of love's matchless beauty. And what makes these verses so beautiful is it really is a description of our Lord Jesus Christ. The, the literary technique that the Apostle Paul is using here is known as personification. He takes the idea of love and describes what love does as if it were a person. But of course we understand that, that love is a person. In fact, can't we speak of uh, the Father being loved, the Son being loved, the Holy Spirit being loved, and Jesus Christ as our mediator being the embodiment of the love of God. And that means everything these verses say about love is characteristic of Jesus. 
And so if we want to know what love looks like, we need look no further than the person and work of Christ. So this is how we're going to study 1 Corinthians 13, by looking at the love chapter illustrated by the life and ministry of Jesus. This is going to be our approach for, Lord willing, what will be a few weeks, looking at love's portrait, trying to connect every aspect to Christ, and then applying it to our lives, those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that order is, is significant. I think it's very important because the gospel is not, hey, you need to be more loving. The good news of the gospel is you are richly loved in Jesus Christ and in him now you can and you must love like this. From one point of view, the Christian life is learning to love the way that Jesus loves us. And we're not going to cover every aspect of Paul's description of love, and we're not always going to follow Paul's order here. But I want to get started today by looking at love's kindness, the kindness of love. Paul says, love is kind. But we need to get started. If you want to keep... uh, any kind of uh, outline here. We're going to think about what kindness is. We're going to then look at the kindness of God. And then we're going to think about what kindness means for us. So let's start with that first question. What is kindness? What does it mean to be kind? You know, people today, you hear talk about uh, random acts of kindness, uh, small acts of kindness. Right? And just out of curiosity, I did a quick search online for examples of random acts of kindness. Okay, here's, here's what I came up with. Smiling at a stranger, uh, opening the door for someone, letting someone merge in front of you in traffic, helping somebody with their groceries, bringing a treat to your coworkers, uh, holding the elevator for someone, or paying for someone's coffee. I could keep going, but you're, you're getting the gist of things here. I, I think we'd all agree that these are nice things to do. For other people. However, if you think that these are descriptions of kindness, I want to suggest to you today that we have a long way to go in appreciating what the Bible means by kindness. Because when we look at the kindness of God, we have to see it's kindness is no small thing. It's no small virtue. The kindness of God, it is It is declared in creation, it is confirmed in providence, and it's further manifested in salvation. As believers, we can say that the whole of our salvation can be attributed to the fact that God is kind. And that means that the call then to kindness in the Christian life is no small thing. It is a high calling that we're going to try to appreciate today. Now, the word Paul uses here for kindness in 1 Corinthians 13, it's actually unique. It's the only place it appears in the Bible. In fact, it's the only place that it appears in ancient literature, apart from literature written after the time of the Apostle Paul. So the thinking is, later writers are uh, relying upon uh, Paul here, who appears to have made up this word. And what he's done is he's taken the noun for kindness and he has turned it into a verb. 
So rather than saying love is kind, a closer translation would be love shows kindness. And this is, I think, a good time to say that the words, many of the words we're going to be looking at in love's portrait over the next few weeks (coughs) are not nouns, but verbs. And that means that when Paul is telling us love is this, love is not that, he, he isn't He isn't giving us an abstract definition of love. Uh, He is not merely talking about feelings that you might have in your heart. He is talking about something that we do. Love as action. I think this is a very helpful corrective in a culture where we are led to think about love primarily in terms of how we feel. Paul is saying love is shown in action. And I think realizing that can help us at a number of levels. So for one example, some Christians worry because they they don't feel a certain way about God or others. I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, I know I'm supposed to love God, but I don't feel very loving. Something must be wrong with me. And some of them beat themselves up because they don't feel the way that they think that they should. Now, I am not suggesting that love has nothing to do with how we feel. We should always be asking the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with affectionate love for God and for others. But 1 Corinthians 13 is teaching us that love is as love does. That love manifests itself in Action. You love by doing, not merely saying the words, I love you, uh, or having uh, some feeling in your heart. Some of you might tragically know what it is like to love, live with someone who will say the words, I love you, but then by their actions, you know they don't have any love at all for you. Love is shown in action. It's put on display in what we do for others. And so Paul turned kindness into a verb to help us understand that love involves showing kindness. But he he based it on a word that we see again and again in the New Testament, the noun for kindness. And so, for example, it comes up in Galatians 5 as part of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Colossians 3, as as, uh, one of the Christ-like virtues that Christians are to put on. Uh, In Ephesians 4, uh, verse 32, we we read earlier, it's uh, something that Christians are commanded in love to show one another, to be kind to one another. And so if we bring all of these together, we could say that that kindness is a spirit-produced grace In the Christian life, it is a Christ-like virtue we are to put on like a piece of clothing. We're to wear it in our lives. And it's an aspect of love that we are commanded to show to one another. So again, what is kindness? What does it mean to be kind? I think as you consider what the Bible has to say about kindness, we're led to say something like this. Kindness is love's readiness to do good to another. Kindness is love's readiness and willingness to seek after the good of others. 
In his kindness, God was prepared to go to great lengths. He was prepared to go out of his way to secure our good. Kindness, then, is love acting for the good of others. So with that description of kindness in mind, let's see uh, quickly here how we have been the recipients of kindness from God. Because again, the best way to learn about kindness is to reflect upon God's own kindness, which the Bible says is shown to all. So in the New Testament, the kindness of God is mentioned repeatedly in the context of God saving his people. Uh, Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Romans chapter 11 verse 22 says it's because of God's kindness that the gospel is preached among the nations. And so the, the reason that you and I have ever heard the gospel, the good news about Jesus, is because God has been kind to us. Um, I think one of the greatest expressions of God's kindness comes in Titus, the text that we read for the assurance of pardon this morning, those words. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, and so on. And so you see, kindness is no small thing. We're, we're tempted to think of it as small acts, like holding a door open for somebody or taking um, out someone's trash or whatever. But the Bible takes everything God does for our salvation, securing our eternal good, and attributes it to the fact that God is kind. So just consider for a minute how God in his kindness has pursued our good by, by looking at Titus chapter 3 with me for a few minutes. It's printed there in your bulletins if you want to take a look at it. I want to highlight four things from Titus chapter 3 about the kindness of God. First of all, we've got to say that the kindness of God is a saving love. Paul says that when God's loving kindness appeared, referring to Jesus coming into the world, he saved us. Jesus is the Savior who brings deliverance from sin and its consequences. He delivers us from what our sin deserved, which is nothing less than eternal condemnation. And so when we confess God is kind, we are saying that through Jesus Christ, he has delivered us from a lost eternity. Secondly, the kindness of God is also a merciful love. A love shown to people who do not deserve to be loved. Titus 3 verse 5 says that when God saved us, it was not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So You see, we are not saved because we deserve it. We are not saved because we earn it. We can't gain salvation by tipping the scales and outweighing our bad deeds with our good deeds. When the loving kindness of God appeared, he saved us according to his kind and loving mercy. A third thing we could say, the kindness of God is a life-changing love. Paul says God saves us by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Regeneration is 
that word in the Bible that refers to the work of the Holy Spirit taking a spiritually dead and helpless sinner, making them alive in Jesus Christ. Paul speaks here about the washing of regeneration, using baptism language. Baptism is a sign used to signify a washing or a cleansing. And so when the saving kindness of God comes into your life, it washes you clean and makes you an entirely new person. It happens when the Spirit regenerates you. But His work doesn't stop there. After making us new, the Spirit engages in an ongoing work of renewal. See, by the regeneration and renewal of the Spirit, we are not what we once were and we will not remain what we are. Praise God for the kindness of his life-changing love. And the fourth thing we want to say here is the kindness of God is also a generous love. In his kindness, God has sent us the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Notice the language. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Now just notice in passing there the triune kindness of God. One God in three persons each person full of the same loving kindness. The kindness of the Son seen in His coming to be our Savior. The kindness of the Spirit to regenerate and renew us through Christ. And here, the kindness of the Father in sending the, the Spirit through the Son. And Paul emphasizes here the generosity of the gift. The Holy Spirit is poured out on us richly so that we are justified in Jesus Christ and made heirs with him. And so you see, the kindness of God is, is not the equivalent of you know, shoveling your neighbor's driveway after a snowstorm, as nice as an act as that is. It is shown in his saving, merciful, life-changing, generous love to us, in Jesus Christ, which secures infallibly our eternal good. As Christians then, we owe everything to our God who is kind to the undeserving. And so I have uh, two, two groups of folks in mind here with a bit, bit of application. The first I want to ask is, have you experienced this kindness, this saving kindness of God in your life? Can, can you say with abounding joy in your heart, my God is so kind. He sent his son to save me from my sins. He's poured out the spirit upon me richly, regenerating me and renewing me day by day, making me an heir of eternal life. If not, if you can't say that, you are, you are still no stranger to the kindness of God. The kindness of God is inescapable in your life. Your very existence is a revelation of the kindness of God. The kindness of God is written all over your life. In fact, this very moment, God is showing his kindness to you. And declaring the good news of his son to you. Inviting you to embrace Christ. And you ask the question, why would God do that? Why would God do that? Because he is kind. 
because he is kind. He wants you to know more of his triune kindness. The kindness of the Father who sent his Son into the world. The kindness of the Son who came to be our Savior. And the kindness of the Spirit who makes us new and remakes us after the image of Christ. And the urging of Scripture, dear friends, in the face of the multifaceted kindness of God in your life is do not presume. Do not presume upon the patience and kindness of God, which is meant to lead you to repentance. Turn to Christ and ask that he would save you. And the gospel gives you the assurance that he is ready and eager and willing to do it because he is infinitely kind. Now for those of us who have experienced the saving kindness of God this morning, I think we need to heed the call to kindness in the Christian life. To be kind to one another and to others. That's actually the practical point in both 1 Corinthians 13 and in Titus chapter 3. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul is not merely defining uh, love for us. He is telling Christians how they are to live in relation to one another. And, and he talks about God's loving kindness in Titus, Paul does, to help people in the church learn how to love. And the context in Titus is important. Titus was a pastor in Crete. And you remember the folks in Crete were not very kind individuals. In fact, they were a people who, according to chapter 3, verse 3, this was their reputation, passed their days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. But you know, we could make the same confession about ourselves because we are not lovers by nature. We are haters. And this is why we need the good news of God's saving kindness. But notice that what, when Paul wanted to help people learn how to love, he did not simply give them a list of do's and don'ts. He told them the story of God's loving kindness, the saving, merciful, life-changing, generous kindness of God revealed in Jesus Christ. And when that story becomes our testimony, then we can begin to live with this kind of love. We can begin to give what we have received. Yes, in small degrees that can not even be compared to the love and kindness we have received in Jesus Christ, but to some small, real degree, by the grace of God, a reflection of the kindness that we have ourselves received through Christ. And this was the... Uh, this was a message that the Corinthian Christians really needed to hear. You remember the context in 1 Corinthians 13? The, the issue here is the use of spiritual gifts in the worship of the church, or we should say the misuse of spiritual gifts, the abuse of spiritual gifts in the context of the life and worship of the church. Gifts we, we were reminded in um, previous chapters were given for the common good. Uh, believers have each been given a gift by the Spirit to serve others, to build them up for their sake, for their good. But instead, the Christians in Corinth were using their gifts to boast in themselves, to make it all about them, to build themselves up and puff themselves up in pride. 
See, they were not showing each other the kindness of love. They were not showing love's kindness to one another. Another place we could go is is Paul's letter to the Galatians. Paul wrote about kindness in Galatians, I think, for a very similar reason when he lists the fruit of the Spirit. The Galatian Christians were, if you remember, misusing their freedom to indulge themselves, to please themselves, to pursue what they wanted, their passions, their desires. Instead of, as Paul instructed them, using their freedom to serve one another in love. That's why he wrote to them, you were not called to do that. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, Paul said, serve one another in love. See, the Galatian Christians were not being kind either, pursuing the good of another. And they needed, too, to be reminded that this is what new life in Christ looks like. This is one dimension of it. Kindness. Doing good to others, even if it means going out of your way to do good to them. And so in light of that, here are three practical things about, think, what kindness means for us, and then we'll be done. First, kindness means we will pursue the good of one another and others, because that's what kindness is, pursuing the good of others. The good of your brothers and sisters, then, will be what motivates you in the life of the church. The good of others will be what motivates you when you relate to others. Loving others as we are loved in Jesus means we are not vengeful, but merciful. That's why Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, listen to this, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to, one, to each other and to everyone else. And that last part shows us that, that Christian kindness is not simply meant to stop at one another. Paul says, be kind to one another and to everyone else. After all, God's kindness is not limited to the church, is it? But this is precisely what got Jonah all upset, isn't it? God showing kindness to the, the nasty Ninevites, people who were strangers to the covenants of promise. He was upset that they would be the recipients of the kindness of God. But we see again and again in Scripture, don't we? God is kind to all. And as his people, then, we are commanded to be like him in this way. Kind to everyone. And second, kindness sees beyond itself to the needs of others and seeks to do them good. Christian kindness sees beyond itself to the needs of others and seeks to do them good. That means Christian kindness sees beyond personal preferences, beyond one's own desires. But of course the challenge is we live in a time and a culture that is obsessed with self. Self, isn't it? And to be frank, we've drank that Kool-Aid. We have been infected by the, the spirit of a self-centered age. We seek our own good. We pursue and promote our own agendas endlessly. 
But not so among you, our Lord Jesus is saying. Not so among my disciples, because the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. See, Titus 3 helps us come to grasp uh, terms with God saw beyond himself. God had concern for you and me. Jesus came and he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant for our good. And Paul says in Philippians, that is the mind of Christ that we are to have. But it is, it is more of a battle for us than we, we like to admit, isn't it? We can get so caught up with our own concerns, our own interests, tied up with our own lives. But you see, one of the ways we learn to love like Jesus, one of the marks of the Spirit in our life, is that we learn more and more to see beyond ourselves and look up from our own navel to see the needs of others and how we can serve them for their good. We don't get so locked into our own personal and, and family agendas that we become blind to the needs of the family of God and the needs of those around us. God has put in our lives providentially. Love is kind. Love sees beyond itself. And so one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, do I see beyond myself? Third, kindness may require self-denying costs. Again, if our kindness is to be patterned after the Lord Jesus, we've got to say self-kindness um, may require self-denying costs. It certainly did for our Lord Jesus, didn't it? What, what did he do in order to show us the kindness of God? He became a slave. He, he endured the scorn and rejection of the world. He laid down his life as the one cursed by God for the sins of his people. He, he went out of his way, we might say, in order to do us good. And so is that the kind of love that we have for one another? Are we prepared to embrace the cost of kindness? Are we ready to live a life of self-denial in order to pursue the good of our brothers and sisters in Christ? We are loved by Jesus, who is willing to leave behind his comfortable security to minister the kindness of God to the utterly unworthy. And the Spirit of God is sent into our lives to reproduce this kind of loving kindness in our lives so that the image of Jesus might be etched into our lives. And so we have to ask ourselves, is this a reality seen in you and me, self-denial for the sake of pursuing the good of one another? Or, or are we so locked into ourselves? Do we deny ourselves to show the loving kindness of Christ to one another? Dear brothers and sisters, We've seen today God has lavished us with his kindness in Jesus Christ and by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he calls us as his people to show the love of kindness to one another. And I think this is something we really, we really need to take to heart. We really need to hear. We, we, we really need to strive 
with every fiber of our being to make a reality more and more in our lives. It's hard. It's, it's challenging. But you see, the most eloquent, sound, informed, reformed confession of faith is nothing if we are strangers to kindness in our dealings with one another and with others. You can argue with that all you want. But in response, I'd simply say, it is by our love that we will be known. Now, Tertullian, uh, in the early church, he tells about how uh, sometimes unbelievers called Christians Christiani instead of Christiani. It's the difference in one letter there. The two words are very similar, and maybe that's the reason for the confusion, but perhaps there's another reason for the confusion, because Christiani means Christian. Christiani it comes from the, the word for kindness. And so sometimes we have, uh, we have these documents uh, where unbelievers refer to Christian community as the Christiani people, the kindness people. Whether that was a mistake or not, this is my prayer for us, that we would be known as the kindness people, kind to one another and kind to others, because ultimately this points people to the kindness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And sadly, we live in a day when people often associate Christianity with attitudes that are judgmental, uh, stingy, selfish. And sometimes those associations are misguided and, and unfair, but other times they're spot on. And our calling, dear brothers and sisters, is to live in such a way that kindness becomes synonymous with Christianity. That when people hear you're a Christian, they immediately think, of your kindness. They will know we are Christ by our love. I think another way we could say the same thing would be to say that they will know we are Christ by our kindness. And so let's remember today, dear friends, we will never, we will never get to the bottom of the riches of God's kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The Lord of glory stooped from heaven in order to become a slave to save God-despising, neighbor-hating sinners. That's kindness. That's the kindness God has shown us. And God says to us through the gospel, as I have been to you, so be to one another. Let what I am be seen in the lives of my people. May that be the case among us here at Trinity Presbyterian Church as those who have been the recipients of the rich kindness of God. May we be kind to one another and to everyone else. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have been so kind to us in sending your Son and giving us the Holy Spirit. And we pray now that to some small but real degree we might reflect your kindness in our love for one another and our love for everyone else that you call us to in our lives. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.